I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Whether in an operating room or a trauma situation, the ability to quickly stop bleeding represents a critical need in healthcare. At the end of December, Cresslon filed for U.S. Food and Drug Administration approval to market its hemostatic gel to rapidly stop bleeding. The filing follows the launch of Vitagel, Cresslon's hemostatic gel for the animal health market. We spoke to Joe Landolina, co-founder and CEO of Cresslon, about how he developed the plant-derived gel, the significant need he's seeking to address, and how the gel is able to halt bleeding in a matter of seconds. Joe, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's great to be here. We're going to talk about bleeding, Cresselon, and its efforts to develop a gel to restore hemostasis for human use, building from its launch of its Vetagel for the animal health market. Let's start with the problem you're trying to address. How serious and broad a need is the ability to stop bleeding? Yeah, of course. So bleeding is a massive problem in the industry today. And that's not only a problem in in what we call point of care or trauma applications, where this is something like a battlefield injury or a motor vehicle accident where, where a patient is bleeding away from a hospital or, or from a trained surgeon. Uh, this is also a massive issue inside of operating rooms uh, where every single second that a patient is bleeding on the table or in the field is additional risk of death or risk of injury or, 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 uh, or risk of recovering poorly uh, from those injuries. And just starting even in animal health, in the United States alone, there are 3 million bleeds every single year in pets. And when we look at the trauma care market or the human markets, and the best products on the market take minutes with applied pressure to be able to get bleeding under control. And in those minutes, uh, you give those patients significant risk of, uh, of not being able to recover well. You've developed a gel to stop bleeding. What is this gel and, and how does it work? Of course. So, so Vetagel, which is our animal health product, and then the technology behind it is a blend of two polysaccharides, so effectively long chains of sugar that are derived from plant-based materials such as algae. And these, these two polymers come together into a highly viscous gel. It's, we always joke that, that it's kind of like the consistency of, uh, of, of hummus, uh, both in color and, and in viscosity. And when you place it onto an actively bleeding wound, so think anything as severe as a gunshot wound that severed an artery, or anything as uh, precise uh, or, or as difficult to treat as soft tissue surgery, uh, this gel immediately creates a mechanical barrier against bleeding. Uh, so without pressure, in under five seconds, it will immediately stop the flow of bleeding. But most importantly, it will allow the patient to create their own blood clot or fibrin patch underneath. And because the gel is non-porous, if you take the gel away, the clot stays behind. Uh, so that means that you can actually put this on, wait for the clot to form, and then peel it off, and you have a blood clot that's stable underneath. And you've controlled patients much more quickly, uh, much more effectively, and with 
a material that doesn't contain a drug or an API. And so the, the potential side effects that would come with using other animal-based or drug-based products are, are not there with something like this. What's the range of applications this can be used to address and what do you see as your primary markets? Sure. So, so Crestalon is focusing on three major markets, the, the first of which is general surgery within animal health. And Vetagel is a product that we've had commercial since the late 2020. Um, and that product is used primarily in open surgery in pets. So everything from soft tissue to orthopedic surgery, you know, even in neurosurgery, as well as in trauma care. And then on the human side, uh, we have two major businesses that, that we're seeking FDA clearance for. So the first of which is trauma care. So major bleeds uh, that, that are treated point of care by an EMT uh, or, or potentially by a layperson. Uh, and then just like with Vetagel, uh, a full general surgical indication. Uh, so effectively, anytime that you go into the operating room and there's bleeding, a product like this can be used for that. What are the alternatives used today to treat the types of bleeding incidents you're pursuing and how might the gel compare to these approaches? Of course. Uh, so the, the, and we always joke that the, the standard methods uh, are, are effectively pressure and prayer. Uh, these are uh, archaic uh, for the most part products uh, that are gauzes or sponges or powders that work by absorbing bleeding uh, and allowing you to concentrate blood factors at the local area of injury. Uh, and as a result, instead of waiting, let's say, seven to 12 minutes for, for a clot to form, uh, the clot can be achieved in somewhere around five minutes. Uh, and that's uh, the vast majority of hemostatics fall into that category. Uh, there also are much more expensive uh, and specialized hemostatic agents uh, that, that contain drugs uh, or, or an agent such as thrombin or fibrin. Uh, that require preparation. They come frozen uh, and need to be thawed and reconstituted into water, which takes a significant amount of time. Uh, but uh, that will reduce the treatment time to around two minutes uh, with pressure in order to get bleeding under control. Uh, but again, those products are expensive uh, and have a number of drawbacks, so they're not able to be used outside of the surgical space. Uh, so uh, technology like the one that we're developing is the only product that can work across all ranges of bleeds in under 10 seconds. You started working on this when you were 17 years old. How did this all come about? Sure. So I, I was very lucky. I, I got an early start. My grandfather was, uh, was actually a former employee of Hoffman LaRoche. And uh, when he retired from Roche years ago, he decided to uh, switch up careers entirely and move into the wine industry. Uh, so he started a vineyard in the Hudson Valley in New York with a chemistry lab across the street from my house and a grandfather who invited me to work in a lab with him every day after school from the time effectively since I could walk. And as I got a bit older, my, my parents insisted that if I was going to continue working in a lab, I, I'd go somewhere to learn how to do research the right way and then at least uh, not learn lab safety from my grandfather who learned it himself in the 60s and, uh, and had given me a, a handful of techniques that, that may not have been uh, as, uh, uh, as recommended today. Uh, and, and I'll leave it there. Uh, so I, I was able to do a summer research program at Columbia University in tissue engineering, and I, I fell head over heels in love uh, with, with tissue engineering and particularly the ability to use plant-based scaffolding material uh, to help regrow tissue. Uh, and, and that was something that as a high schooler was the coolest thing that I'd ever seen. Uh, and when I left that research program, and I came back to my own lab at the winery and, and decided to start running a bunch of experiments and, and admittedly just about everything that I was trying failed uh, until one day I, I discovered the, 
but this bled to polymers that, that became the basis for Vetagel and the rest of our products. Uh, and uh, at that time, I, I was 17 years old. I was then an incoming freshman into engineering school at NYU. And I took the idea of using that type of material and using it to just temporarily stop something like a bullet wound so that you can take a patient who's bleeding out and move them from point A to point B uh, and get them to the next level of care so that they, they can be treated. Uh, and I took that concept and entered it into their business plan competition. Uh, we ended up uh, winning at the engineering school. We, we took second place at the business school uh, and that was in 2010, so about 12 years ago. Uh, and from there, uh, the concept for our technology uh, was uh, was at least validated. We, we realized that there was a massive market beyond just trauma care. Uh, and, and we realized that the technology itself or the platform itself had promised to do what we what we said it did. Uh, and over the last 12 years, we've grown Cressalon from a dorm room company into what is today the only aseptic fill and finish operation in the five boroughs of New York. And that, that's something that, that we're incredibly proud of, especially me being a, a native New Yorker. What is it about the material that, stops bleeding? Is it just creating pressure? Is it doing something to promote clotting or wound healing? So it's, what I'll say is that the mechanism is primarily mechanical. Uh, any any foreign material in contact with, with the body will have some sort of biochemical response, whether we're talking about gauze or whether we're talking about an API. Uh, but in this material in particular, really what we're doing is creating something that is just adhesive enough that it's able to bind to an incredibly complicated area to bind to. These types of injuries are highly dynamic. The patient is breathing and moving. There's a lot of blood flow. You have uh, significant uh, challenges in being able to adhere uh, just to uh, and tissue, especially soft tissue like liver or spleen is very difficult to design an adhesive for. Uh, and this type of material is responsive. So it builds itself up uh, and it creates a bond to that type of tissue. Uh, and that bond is incredibly temporary. So once the clot forms, uh, that the, the gel is able to be removed easily uh, without staying there. And uh, I think one of the challenges that the industry has faced is that you can have the best clotting agent in the world, but if it's getting washed away by the blood, your clot gets washed away with it. Uh, so you need something that not only can allow the patient to create that clot, uh, but can stay in place for the duration of treatment. And where this product excels is that it stays where you put it and it doesn't move. You filed a 510K pre-market notification with the FDA for your gel for human use. If all goes well, when do you expect to be able to market the gel? So I, I think at least for me, it, it, it happened in stages. Uh, I mean, when we exited the business plan competition, we definitely knew that uh, we definitely knew that the product itself and the market itself uh, was something that, that was worth investigating and that was worth moving into. And over the over the years, especially with a product that has such a long manufacturing cycle and approval cycle, like uh, like this type of medical device, uh, it really for me, I, I think that the cherry on top uh, was seeing this product used for the first time in a patient and getting that first testimonial. Uh, obviously, we knew that the potential effects of, of this technology uh, would be massive well before that. Uh, but it really, it changes it to be able to see something that uh, that started as an idea on a piece of paper uh, and worked its way all the way up uh, to be able to pick up the phone and talk to a customer who saved a patient's life with this material uh, was uh, really, I think, not only for me, but for the entire team here uh, and put everything into perspective. 
I don't think of Brooklyn as a, a center of biotechnology. Uh, why Brooklyn? Sure. I, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I, now, on one hand, Pfizer was founded here in Brooklyn. Uh, so uh, we, we had our very own uh, aseptic manufacturing plant in Brooklyn up until the, the early uh, until the early 2000s uh, when, when Pfizer divested uh, from uh, from this area. Uh, so th there's definitely been a history of biotech uh, in the uh, in the Brooklyn area. Uh, but uh, in short, New York or so NYU's engineering program, their campus is based in downtown Brooklyn. And, and as a result, I was based in Brooklyn. All of our employees were based in Brooklyn. And as we were growing, we were still students. Uh, I started this when I was a freshman in college. Uh, so we needed lab space that was close to campus so that we could sneak away from classes or, or in between classes and, and go work on the company. Uh, so our, our very first office that, that, we, that we opened up, and in fact, the office that, that I'm calling in from today uh, is three subway stops away from, uh, from the, that, that campus that, that we all went to school at. And then as we continued growing, we did a site selection and we looked at a number of other more traditional jurisdictions to do manufacturing. And it's just as a New Yorker, I, I really felt a strong desire to try at the very least to bring manufacturing here. And, and with the, with the developer uh, that, that we worked with in the space that we found, uh, we found that, that it not only works, it actually is a great fit for this type of manufacturing and, and we can do it in an economical way that allows Crestalon to be able to attract talent. Because uh, again, if you're, if you're a graduating senior in engineering and you want to work hands-on in a manufacturing process in biopharma uh, or in medical device, uh, you have almost exactly one option if you wanna work in the city and that's Crestalon. Uh, and, and that has been great for, for us to be able to recruit in this market. Uh, it's not saying that we don't have a lot of research companies, uh, but for a highly verticalized business like Cresselon, it's definitely unique. And, and we've been able uh, to, to take advantage of, uh, of being the first uh, through a lot of these processes uh, from a talent perspective and, and working to create uh, an ecosystem here in Brooklyn. My sense is that the manufacturing of the gel is somewhat complicated. What does it take to make this? It is very complicated. So I, I always like to liken it to making a souffle. Uh, the ingredients are actually fairly simple. So it's it's flour, it's butter, it's eggs, it's uh, whatever else goes into a souffle. Uh, but if I were to just give you flour, butter, eggs, et cetera, without a recipe, odds are not, neither you nor me can, can make a souffle off the top of our heads. And uh, so a lot of the the know-how and being able to create this matrix uh, that is as responsive uh, as as I described, that can actually handle the pressures, uh, comes into a very careful formulation process. Uh, and Cresselon not only needed to manufacture and invent the gel, uh, we actually had to invent a lot of the equipment that we're using and processes that we're using in order to manufacture this material consistently, and particularly in a sterile high volume fashion, uh, because uh, this product doesn't lend itself well to terminal sterilization. Uh, if like any other medical device, you tried to irradiate this at the end, it would fall apart. And uh, so we have to basically make hummus like a vaccine. Uh, and, and all of that was novel. Uh, so we, it took us years to design the proper process. And in fact, if it weren't so complicated, we would have outsourced it. Uh, but we, we found that, uh, that there was no partner uh, that, that 
frankly knew anything more than us about the type of material because it, it's such an interesting manufacturing process. So we decided to do it ourselves. And, and at the end of the day, we now control our own destinies because of it. And, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy that, that we took that path, even though it, it was a little bit longer uh, and a bit more arduous uh, than, uh, than we were expecting in the beginning. From a regulatory perspective, the FDA looks at the gel as a medical device. Why is that? Sure. So uh, topical hemostatics uh, are uh, almost all uh, regulated as medical devices. And it's because even though foreign material, like I mentioned, will have some sort of response or will elicit some response from a patient, um, most topical hemostatics, Vetagel uh, and CHG, which, are, which is our first human uh, brand uh, included, work primarily through mechanical action. Uh, and that mechanical action classifies medical devices uh, or, or hemostatic agents as medical devices. You filed a 510K pre-market notification with the FDA for your gel for human use. If all goes well, when do you expect to be able to market the gel? So, so we filed the 510K with the agency in November of last year. Uh, I'm, I, I'm optimistic that we'll see clearance this year uh, and be able to bring product into human use shortly. And, and what's the marketing plan for the gel? What markets will you initially target? And are you going to build your own sales force to do this or look to partnering? I, I'm a strong believer in a hybrid approach. Uh, so if you look at how we marketed Betagel, our animal health product. Uh, we, we used a small direct boots on the ground sales force here in the US and then we supplemented with partners because I, I think that uh, really no one sells your product and no one trains end users on your product like uh, company employees. Uh, if you have a distributor or a partner that, that has 10,000 SKUs in their bag, no matter how interesting or how revolutionary your product is, it's, it's not going to get the TLC. Uh, that you would see from someone who, who's completely on your payroll. Uh, and, and so as we look at how we translate that into the human space, and CHG is really a stepping stone indication. It's to allow us to convert all of the data that we've generated around Vetagel in a five milliliter syringe setting uh, and get that cleared for humans in a minor bleeding uh, indication. Uh, think and small nicks lacerations, things like sports medicine, uh, even areas like interventional radiology, uh, potentially that that can be expanded into areas like dentistry. Uh, but most importantly, that creates a regulatory foundation for the filing of trauma gel, uh, which is the product that comes next, uh, which will be for massive bleeding. And this has both the defense angle uh, as well as a civilian angle uh, around EMS ambulances for gunshot wounds, stabbings, motor vehicle accidents, and so on. Uh, and this is a product where, again, in these markets, you, you don't necessarily measure time to hemostasis, you, you measure survival rates on these injuries. Uh, and, and this is something where these products can make a massive difference. Uh, and we're within, uh, we're within striking distance of being able to, uh, to gain that indication as well. How are you funded today and, and how far will existing funding take you? So, so Crestline has been very lucky. Uh, almost all of our funding, uh, and, and we've raised to date around $80 million, uh, has come from private high net worth individuals. Uh, and these are investors uh, that, that found the company uh, through media that we had in 2013, 2014, and joined our earlier seed rounds uh, and reinvested time in and time again, uh, as well as supplemented by, by investment banks like, like Paulson Investment Company. Uh, but 
uh, we're actually we're raising uh, one last uh, private round right now, uh, and once that raise closes, uh, that that will bring us through uh, cash flow profitability or, or cash flow break even. Uh, and so we're uh, we're getting to a point now uh, where, especially uh, given the commercial success that we've seen with Vetagel, uh, we're we're about to see uh, revenues take over the need for. Uh, for, for outside funding and any funding past this point will be opportunistic to help the business grow. Joe Landolina, co-founder and CEO of Cresselon. Joe, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, Subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.